Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Uh, first, can we just thank God for the way that he moved through Donna and Matthew and Laura the last couple of weeks? Were you guys encouraged by the 5783 teachings? I was so encouraged. They were so good. And I love that you brought the word today, both of you. And um, it, it really is that, that faith through the gate every year. This is why we celebrate the feast, because it's God's discipleship plan. And it helps us to remember to take care of business before we come into the new year, to continue to move forward with God and step into the new thing, because he's always doing a new thing. Amen? Super exciting. So as I always do, I was praying and asking, Father God, you guys did such a fantastic job. I wanted to be careful not to repeat or duplicate, but I do want to recap what you said because I find it interesting how each teaching layered on top of the next teaching. They were all from different people, and then this final one is kind of a culminating cherry on top, if you will. The messaging from the Lord seems to be very consistent, and <clears throat> excuse me, when I went back and looked at it, if... Out of the context of covenant, it can feel a little ominous, okay? So I want to contextualize it in, in the new covenant. This is James Nesbitt's picture. I want to honor him and give him credit. He is a dear friend of the house. Uh, I spent 21 days with him in Washington. This is his picture for this year, 5783. We know that the three in the Hebrew is that gamel, right? It looks like a camel. Some of you may be familiar with the story of Abraham, how he um, sent, I think it was Eliezer, out with 10 camels to go and find a wife for Isaac, right, among his people. He wanted to make sure she was marrying someone who was of the same faith that was equally yoked, right? <clears throat> so he sent him out with 10 camels that had gold bracelets and all these provisions and all this is beautiful, wonderful, amazing diary and inheritance uh, for her. We'll get in, into that a little bit more later. But when he <clears throat> drew this picture, as you can see, in, in the front there, there's tons of gold. And we talked about this being a year of provision and open doors and no more delay. You can see the camels on the right carrying the inheritance, carrying the blessing from Father God, if you will. And you can see these pipelines here on the left, sort of new um, ways of provision, okay? new routes of provision, new conduits of provision in our lives. So we can expect that. I always like to look at that. It's so fun. So I want to recap real quick, um, just real quick, so we remember what was said before, so we can see how all of these build on top of each other, okay? Now this is the words from Donna's message here on the left. <clears throat> these were the 20, 22 words that she gave. And just was sharing um, kind of some things the Lord had said and some things we knew he didn't admit. So what I did was I put the manifestations next to it on the right so you can see. And she talked a little bit about this, but I just want to clarify some things, okay? Um, share some things you may not be aware of that are happening in our body and that our body is connected to that is, quite frankly, miraculous. We've heard new order in 2022. She said anointings upgraded. 
new assignments and alignments. How many of you felt like you grew this last year? Come on, okay? That's new anointing. That's an upgrade, okay? So in regards to alignments and upgrades, we've had major favor with the First Nations here. Okay, I'm the, I, our church, the senior apostolic leader here, also got appointed to the first apostolic council in the state of Michigan, and I'm the youngest member. I think that's significant. I think that's a new order. I think that's a <clears throat> anointing and upgrade for the city of Lansing because oftentimes they would work with pastors in Detroit and didn't include the capital city, so I think there's something significant there as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had the overturning of Roe versus Wade, of course, um, which is significant in regards to the Lord healing the land, right, from some of the things that have been on the land. That's a new order. We have the new building in the land. We've talked a lot about Shekinah and the new building over there on Shiawassee, the river of shining lights. It's interesting to me that in the year of Gamel, the year of 5783, and, and 3 being Gamel in the Hebrew, that we're at 318. We're going to talk a little bit later today about three representing covenant and fatherhood and motherhood. And that whole verse of the hearts of the fathers towards the sons and the hearts of the sons towards the fathers, that Micah verse, okay? That this is a fathering and a, and a mothering movement where the body of Christ and this body specifically is coming into the fullness of our anointing to disciple, to mentor, not just people and individuals, but also cities and nations, we had already shared that three was the number of covenant. 18 meant lahayim, right? It was life, chayim in the Hebrew. When they cheer, they say lahayim, right, to life. Um, but Apostle Cindy Williams pointed out from the Apostolic Council, she said, Stephanie, three plus one plus eight is 12. It's also an apostolic cub. It's a confirmation of that. And I was like, hey, that was an encouragement, another confirmation. New order, another thing that was accomplished in the last three years of seemingly chaos in our um, country where it seemed like there was a lot of contention. For the first time in the last 13 years, the Coggle Network came up with biblical kingdom-based values that we agree upon. And it was a diverse team of white, black, male, female, and Democrat, Republican, Independent, all different political parties. And we agreed in the midst of these last three years of difficulty upon kingdom values and the word of God upon which we will rest and, and work and function. That's huge. That's miraculous. That's new order. Um, I just got word from... We're working, obviously, with that prophetic team. I've been working with that prophetic team that I met. Remember when I went uh, to pray for 21 days in um, Washington, D.C., at that homeless shelter for the nation? Um, I was connected with a gentleman from Detroit who had been a part of Kim Clement's ministries for over 20 years. And he just recently realized that Kim Clement had given uh, prophetic words several years ago that talks about a butler and he'd been telling me the last couple months that I think you're the person from the West that comes to the East to encourage this. You're the, God's been using you and your congregation and the praise of your people to help this begin to move forward so the fullness of the glory can come. And then he said, I just remembered the other day that there's a prophecy about the butler, and I'm going to get it to you. And he talks to him specifically about a butler that comes to help steward, to help love, to help see it come to pass. So I think that's a manifestation. 
That's a win for us as a body. And these prophecies that we're talking about with the First Nations and their call, with Kim Clement and, and the prophecies he prophesied over Detroit really have to do with the fullness of the glory coming, okay? So our little apostolic hub is connected to those things. That is profoundly humbling and encouraging at the same time, amen? So Donna talked about the hidden revealed, okay? We saw in our nation hurt from historical failures and our nation being um, revealed. We saw political agendas re being revealed. We saw one world efforts being revealed. We saw sex trafficking rings being revealed. We saw motives of leaders in the church being revealed. We saw our own motives being revealed. We saw a lot of exposure and relationships and kind of a differentiation between your ride or dies and your fair weather friends. We figured some stuff out these last few years, didn't we? And it's not a bad thing. It was a necessary thing, right? God really through the hidden being revealed, re revealed what is really covenant and what was really convenient. There were relationships that were covenant and there were relationships that were convenient, right? One of the words she shared was stay in your lane. We saw leaders shifted even out of our local body, out of the city, out of the region, out of things, right? We saw leaders shift out of other organizations in the city, right, into their roles, some of them, right, into the next thing that God has for them, and some of them just into a cave place where they could heal and be made whole because they were in a place where they thought they were ready for something, but then it, when it came down to it and God started to reveal the hidden things in them, they go, oh, gosh, I better deal with this first, and that's so healthy. That's a huge help to the body of Christ for that to happen. Then the final one was voice of the Lord being enhanced, and I just want to say Window Rock. When we went to Window Rock, um, the voice of the Lord was enhanced in a way I had historically not seen. Because the people of God were worshiping him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, we saw deliverance manifesting in the background, people spontaneously getting saved, people spontaneously getting healed. Um, up front when the worship heaven met earth and it spontaneously played on its own. And I think that's been going to become a new normal and we need to be prepared for that. Amen. Super exciting. We've seen that in the throne room sessions with Brent and Lyra and Donna and everybody that's been coming, Matt. <coughs> the glory seed, the manifestations of not being able to get up, the manifestations of healing in the lungs. We've seen a lot of really neat things. The powerful prophecies coming forth and the words and even revelations about marketplace ventures in the midst of all of that, family healings, things of that nature. And we've also had the voice of the Lord enhanced in these trauma sessions. Donna's been assisting me with some trauma sessions with some families in the region. And I'm telling you what, God is giving revelation like this, and it's coming quickly. And we practice it for so long and so consistently in our midst. There's just an ease on it. And it's funny because people are like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. And we're like, this is just how we do life. Like, it, it almost feels weird, right? We're like, well, praise God, you know? Like, so we're, I'm, I feel like... This is such a win this last year. And like Father God saying to you guys and all of us, well done. You've been readied. You've been studied. You've been prepared. Because you stayed in it and you practice and practice and practice and practice. And we're coming into a time where he's going to open up some doors so that we begin to share what he has taught us with others. So Matt, 5783 Apostolic Systems Recap. He heard it's a year to be exposed. Okay, so there's going to be more exposure. He heard, the Lord is calling us to come naked and be vulnerable before him in the holy of holies. Like Adam and Eve originally were in the garden. They were naked 
and they were unashamed and also complete and whole in our identity. And that is key. That's his original design for us. That's a good word. That is a God word. That's a now word. If we're going to flow in the fullness of the glory of God, we've got to come into that place of our identity. Those things God was revealing to me this morning, there can't even be a little teeny tiny taproot, nothing. That's all got to get cleaned up so my hands can be pure and he can do what he wants, right? The Lord told him there's a grace and redemption for five-fold ministry to come into a place of divine fullness, and we've started to see that the last year here in our midst. I think that's why the Lord gave us the building. I think that's why the, we can begin doing media. I think that's why we can begin releasing our songs. New beginnings to abound in the strength of God. We're seeing that all the time. We've got that in our building. We've got that in some of the media stuff. We've got that in relationships that are opening up both in this city and Detroit and in the nations. Okay? For the complete resurrection and divine perfection of the body of Christ. And that's the key. Everything God does, everything he calls us to, it's really important that we remember the why. And this is always the why for the equipping of the saints to do the work that God has prepared in advance for them to do, for all of us to come into the fullness of the maturity of who it is he created us to be. And the heart with which we do so is the key. There's two primary spirits operating right now that the Lord is really shaking us out of and shaking the body of Christ out of. One of them is the religious spirit that says, I'm better than you, get it together. You have to do to be loved. And the other one is, I want justice, this is right, and I will completely act unjustly to implement it because I'm right and you're wrong. And that's that political spirit, okay? Both of them miss the heart of God and the love of God, and we all kind of slip into that sometimes. But he's shaking that out of us, and it's been so, so good. The Lord also told Matt that 5783 means to reveal and this is the numeric meaning, to reveal and cut off anything that separates us from the fullness of God in order to lift him up and be filled with more of his glory. Come on. That's a good word, right? That was a good word, Matt. And then moving on to Laura, when Laura came in, she really talked about Gamel and had a really neat picture. If you remember that picture, which I'm going to use something similar in mine, um, of the camel. The, the man walking in the camel. You remember that? Then the Lord told her that Gamel meant justified repayment. And I was doing my study, and the Lord said, Re repayment can be reward or punishment, which I think you spoke to that as well. She heard the Lord say it's going to be a year of retribution, which means judgment or blessing. Okay? She got the word from Patricia King that said, do not make compromising deals. Do not compromise the call on your life by doing what's easy. Do not compromise who you are to fit in. Do not compromise what God has asked you to do for any reason, right? Do not settle for less than best or even partner with compromise in this hour. It's a time to let some of those, it's a pruning season. Let the compromised, you know, stuff fall away, right? It's a time, and then she also got that it's a time of healing and restoration. And I love that any time the Lord brings justice or reward or punishment, there's healing that comes, right? It's not punitive in nature. It's healing in nature, right? Sort of like a good father that disciplines his children. He disciplines them because he loves them. Oh, gosh, I'm not keeping you guys up with me. Sorry. 
All right, so what the Father God told me today was we're in a war for divine recovery, okay? And I want to honor Chuck Pierce. This is kind of the line he went along as well. But when you look at all those words, it can feel a little bit intimidating or ominous. Like, boy, those are a lot of exposure, right? Getting things in order, retribution, judgment, or blessing, right? It can feel like, whoa, I don't know. If I want to go into 5783. And what the Lord said to me is, it can be gory or glory. Which one do you want, gory or glory? And I had to laugh because I want glory. I don't do gory. I don't do horror flicks. I don't like scary stuff. And really, frankly, I'm all about war when I have to war, but I'd really rather just be a princess. <laughs> I'd really rather just put my crown on and eat my bonbons and decree and declare and have the angels go do what God told them to do so that things can be in proper order and people can be well-loved and protected. Amen? Because that's what the kingdom does. When the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom, are present, the people are protected and safe, and things are in order, okay? And it, it gives them ample opportunities, and it, there's an ease to come into more of who they're called to be, okay? So I want you to look at this pictograph. The one on top is the one that Laura shared, and then the one on the bottom I'm going to explain here in a minute. Um, yeah, you can see it up there. Good. So the pictograph obviously is a picture of a camel in the Hebrew, and like Laura pointed out last week, you can kind of see it looks like a man in the front with his leg moving forward, and then you can see the back of the camel. These are just some interesting facts about camels. Did you know that a camel can go seven months without food? I thought of the story of the virgins. Is your oil full? If God brings you into a pressing season, into a difficult thing, can you go without food for a minute? What if our Bibles got taken away and something happened? Would you be okay? Do you have enough of the word hidden in your heart where you could write it down and remember who you are, what God's called you to, and, and continue to build his kingdom? I'm just, just food for thought, right? Did you know that camels can go weeks without water, without being washed, right? They can go weeks without water. I shared a little bit earlier the story about Isaac and um, getting his wife, Rachel, and how Abraham sent the ten camels out. Camels represent provision. They represent inheritance. They represent blessing. So there's some blessings coming your way. There's more of an inheritance that God wants to give you. There's some things he wants to deposit into you because you are his son's bride. Just like Rachel was Isaac's bride. You're his son's bride, and he loves you. Isn't that exciting? I thought this was interesting in regards to the Hebrew calendar. Every year we get to Rosh Hashanah and we talk about, okay, Lord, judge me, right? Let me judge myself so you don't have to, right? What's in me that needs to go and can't go through the gate? I want to walk through the gate in faith, but I want to leave anything here that you don't want here, right? A camel molts every year. Eagles don't molt every year, but camels molt every year. It means they lose all their unnecessary hair and all that under hair comes out, right? And it, we're, we should molt every year. We should get rid of the yucky stuff, you know, be brushing it out, be pushing it off, be wanting to get rid of the things that are no longer needed for this new season. Amen? I thought this was interesting. The camel milk is the healthiest milk in the world. I did not know that. I've never drank camel milk. Not sure I'm going to be on that anytime soon. But <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting fact. Right? 
Camel milk is the healthiest milk in the world, right? That place of provision, that place of inheritance, that place of covenant from the Lord is the healthiest place in the world for you to be because it will provide everything you need mentally, everything you need emotionally, everything you need financially, everything you need spiritually and physically. Being the bride, he always provides. I thought this was interesting, too. Camels live to be about 40 years. That's a single generation, biblically speaking. You know, they call that a generation. 40 years is a generation. So I think there's something in this year of Gamel that speaks of generations. And I think this is interesting. When we went to Israel, camels kneel. They kneel down, and, and it was crazy because it's this huge animal, but they're humble animals. They get down on these knobby knees, and they're all awkward, and come very low to pick people up. And I just thought that was kind of a neat fact, right, that they kneel to lift others up. When you look at the bottom picture here, it describes a sequence of letters. There's this thing in the Hebrew where the sequence of letters um, implies meaning and the letter that the other letter follows speaks to the characteristic of the letter coming after it, okay? So Gamel Delet alludes to an expression, Gamel Dalim, meaning give to the poor. And that red portion you see where the man's leg or the person's leg is forward. This is a year where our love, our walk, our obedience gives people poor in spirit the ability to keep moving toward the Lord and to return to grace in him. And I thought that was so good when I saw this picture because you can see the leg forward. I'm going to help you stand. And you see the, the one there, how it's, it, he, it's like he gives, when, when that letter's put together, he gives him his leg. I'm going to give you something to stand on. I'm going to give you coals. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you an ear to listen. Right? Whatever that is. The gamel is said to give its left leg to the delet, producing the letter he, which is grace. When we give encouragement to others, when we obey Holy Spirit and give our best foot forward on behalf of someone else who maybe isn't in a great place, we're actually giving them grace. We produce grace in their life because we give them the foundation that we stand up on upon, which is Christ Jesus through us. It's the very power and glory and grace and love of God. And thereby, we enhance the, it, when that leg is given, it enhances the virtue and brings kindness. We're being called to be kind and gracious towards others in a season where they are reaping judgment because of their own choices. It's very important we guard against pride during seasons of judgment against the world or backslidden Christians. Because pride comes before a fall. In a haughty spirit is destruction, right? It implies or means that this year we are being called to emulate God by giving to others the things that they lack. In Hebrew, giving means both the giving of a reward as well as the giving of a punishment. Sometimes the word you need to give, they're not going to like it. You need to still say it. Okay? This is beautiful. In the Torah, both reward and punishment have the same ultimate aim. 
the recidification of the soul to merit, to receive God's light to the fullest extent or God's grace to the fullest extent. So both judgment and blessing have the same end in mind to bring the person closer to the Lord. That's why they're both good. That's why God's judgments are merciful. That's why parents discipline their children. That's why a true friend that loves you is going to have a hard conversation and tell you the truth. And you might be all feeling all uncomfortable and upset in your flesh, but I'm telling you what, those are your real friends. Not the ones that placate your flesh and let you say whatever you want to say and let that build, root of bitterness build up in you. A true friend doesn't let you do that because they love you enough to say the thing you don't want to hear. Reward and punishment imply that a man or woman is free to choose between good and evil. The teaching of Gamel thus refers back to that of an open left side of the bet. Bait, you can say. From which it is born. In particular, pla in particular places, great stress is put upon the free choice as being fundamental to our faith. The leg of the letter Gamel, which expresses the running of the rich man in spirit or in natural, right? To bestow good upon the poor man in spirit or in the natural. Running more than any other physical act expresses the power of the will to engage in the freedom of choice. The Hebrew word for running is rats or rates. It's related to the word for will, ratzan, or ratzan. In running, the leg is firmly in contact with the earth. I don't know if any of you run, but it, you've got to lean into it. There's intentionality of the will. You've got to be willing to be a little off balance and uncomfortable. You've got forward motion, and that leg is planted hard. The whole body has to be engaged if you want to keep a steady pace. In running, the leg is firmly in contact with the earth through an act of the will, and the soul directly affects the physical reality. In other words, the final reward, the ultimate revelation of God's essential truth or light or glory will thus justly be bestowed upon the soul in the very same context as the life's endeavor in the physical world. Whether they're blessed or judged, they will see the light. So whether we're running towards someone with a blessing or we're running towards someone with a corrective word or a boundary, that person will wake up, right? Isn't that awesome? That gets me excited because there's hope. There's hope for those that are coming under the judgment. There's hope for those that are coming under the blessing. It will lead them toward the Lord. Isn't that exciting? Okay. So there's this number three. We talked a little bit about the, the camel stuff on the right there, five, seven, eight, three. But I want to talk specifically just about the number three. Three speaks of fatherhood and motherhood, of covenant discipleship. There were three righteous patriarchs before the flood. There was Abel, there was Enoch, and there was Noah. After the deluge, there were three righteous fathers. There was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three speaks of covenant. Jacob, of course, later renamed Israel. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest. Come on, you can't make that up. Some of us have been going through. But he prayed three times. This speaks to the pressing and the things that we need to leave behind and going through the, the gate of, through, with faith, right? He was placed on the cross at the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. 
And he died at the ninth hour. Three times three is nine. Three cubed. It was all about covenant. There, are three, there were three hours of darkness that covered the land while Jesus was suffering on the cross. And I started bawling when I listened to this one because I thought about my three-year promise back in May. Three years, three months, three weeks, three days. And I just wept and wept and wept when I read that. I was like, hallelujah. New day's coming. Come on. New day's dawning. So your word today really encouraged me, Brent. Thank you. To keep praying. This number three is the number of resurrection. Christ was dead for three full days and nights. Then he was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. So there's some things that are going to be resurrected this year, some things that maybe you thought were dead, some things that looked like you needed to walk away from them or give up on them or not pray for them anymore. The Lord says, I'm raising them up from the dead. There's some people, there's some situations, there's some dreams, there's some revelations, there's some strategies. Father God says he's raising them up. He's going to surprise you with his goodness. He's sending the camels of inheritance, your inheritance, his promises to you, all those prophetic words, all those things he said, everything you need to persevere, to keep your will engaged so that you can receive the blessing of it. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying. There were only three who saw Jesus' glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were John, Peter, and James. What did they do? You know what they did? They lingered. They stayed when the team was small. They stayed when it seemed like an insignificant gathering. They were the praying ones. They stayed and prayed with Jesus. When did Jesus go up to the mountain? He went up the mountain when he prayed. They were the prayer team. They saw the glory. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying. I want to see me some glory this year. I'm going to be at that meeting. God's throne is in the third heaven. I get excited about this new hub when I think about that. It's in the third heaven. Come on, that's another three. What do we talk about? We talk about throne room. We talk about the Melchizedek anointing. We talk about operating from that place of being seated with him and ruling and reigning with him. Come on. Yes, there are three places in the New Testament where sexual sins were specifically referenced. I think that's interesting because that's being addressed this year. We're coming into Gamel. It's rampant. It's being exposed everywhere, right? We're realizing as a church we didn't do a good job teaching people about their identity, right? They didn't know who they were. And frankly, we have a huge fatherless generation that's been abandoned or betrayed by their fathers, There are three great periods of God's annual feast days of worship. There's the spring festivals, which is Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. There's the summer festival, Pentecost. And the fall festivals are the Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. There's three covenant seasons where God says, I want to speak to you. I want to remind you who I am. I remind you what I did for you. I want to remind you about your inheritance. I want to remind you that... This is where you were, but this is where I'm taking you, and I'm still doing a new thing. Keep pressing into me. Come on. In Revelation, an angel is charged to cry three woes to those who live on earth and warn them of more trials to come. We're coming into our third year here, this next year with COVID, and all this stuff that's been going on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're living in that day and in that hour. 
Three years, three woes. Come on. You can't make this stuff up, you guys. The new Jerusalem created by God for placement on a new earth will be shaped like a square with three gates. You can't make this stuff up. So as we move into this year of Gamel, we're moving into a year of covenant. We're moving into a year of resurrection. We're moving into a year of coming through the gates with faith. We're moving into a year of warnings going forth and of woe, woe, woes. The world is being warned. The world is being judged. The people of God that are being obedient and not backslidden are going to be blessed. But it's not, neither one is a bad thing because all of it draws mankind closer to God. If they are willing to engage, their will. Okay? It's good news. It's good news. Come on. All right. So these are just a few things Holy Spirit told me to share with you personally. I usually go on Elijah list and I look at all the prophetic words and I compile them in the different sections. But because we've been spending so much time in prayer and we've been doing the throne rooms and we've really been letting Holy Spirit liberally move in our midst, we're way ahead. These are all old words that are on there with the exception of one that I could find, which I'm going to share with you today, and it really just has a lot of confirmations in it. But we're ahead of the ball, okay? We're ahead of whatever is out there publicly. I'm just going to say that, so praise God for that. That's just who he's making us to be. Okay, and I want to say to you again, gory or glory, which one do you want? Glory, amen, me too. I want glory. I'll pass on that gory. I'm just saying, okay? All right. All right. He said the, rest, the restored fivefold ministry is imperative. Now, you may hear this in future years to come, so I'm going to throw it out there. Some people say, well, there's really only fourfold, right? Some say that the pastor and the shepherd, um, the teacher and the shepherd are the same thing, that they're all called to be shepherds, okay? So just keep that in the back of your mind so you know, okay? Um, but right now we're still operating out of Ephesians 4, 6. It, you, it's a whole argument among scholars about the Greek. Frankly, it's irrelevant. This is the deal. You're right, we're all called to be shepherds, but if someone wants to focus specifically on just shepherding or what I would call healing ministry, you know, let it sit. If God clarifies that revelation and delineates it out in the Greek, we'll make that change at that time. But I want you to be aware that that might be a possibility, Okay. But the restoration of the five-fold ministry in this hour is an imperative. It's imperative for recovering and restoring the kingdom of God in this land, here on earth as it is in heaven. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor or healers, we are being called and prepared to go now and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that the Lord has taught us. We're not responsible to teach them something we don't know. We're only responsible to teach them what we do know. I love Chris Vallotton's story because when he came to know the Lord, he says they took him into a tent because it was hippie time, right? Like that was what was going on back then. <laughs> and they said, which one of these guys do you want to be your father? And he looked and he goes, well, I'll take the best looking one. I'm going to choose him. <laughs> he chose Bill Johnson. <laughs> But you don't have to be that much further ahead of somebody to be their spiritual father. You just take them along as you're learning, and it's good for you. And what it does is it forces you to continue to press in. It forces you to continue to press in. So you take them people under your wings that God is bringing to you, right, and make sure that you're going to somebody to get what you need so you're okay too, all right? Because spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers will challenge you. 
The other thing Father told me to tell you is the separation must happen. We've seen a lot of pruning this year, a lot of moving around of relationships and people and agendas and things, but it has to happen. The shaking and the exposing has to happen, and it's not bad. It's actually part of our healing process. God is bringing us and our nation and the body of Christ specifically to a place where true contextualized facts are valued to empower and, and grasped and sought after to empower us to make timely solutions, kingdom solutions for complex issues. And he's addressing in the church our propensity to gravitate towards false narratives or partial story narratives intended to twist truth and stir up our trauma triggers. Okay, we've seen that a lot the last three years. You know, a lot of things have been revealed to me. I don't know about to you where I was like, Jesus, I didn't even know that was a thing, right? Anytime there's a strong reaction in you where you start judging someone else, there's a trigger and there's a problem. And you need to find out, okay, how do I contextualize this in the scripture? How do I contextualize this in love? How do I contextualize this even factually with everything that's going on and come up with a solution that represents the heart of God? My response ought to reflect the heart of God. Amen? Okay. He's separating the holy from the compromised. Okay? So some of those relationships that are getting pruned, it's okay. It's okay. They'll come back around. Amen? He's separating grace walkers from religious pride-filled self-promoters. And he's separating that out of his body. He's taking that out of us. He's separating us political activists from kingdom pioneers. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. He's separating prophets from posers. I'm just going to say that out loud. He's separating evangelists from platform seekers. Okay, there's a big difference between genuinely being called to love and win the lost and wanting a platform in a big ministry that makes you look cool and brings in a lot of money. Okay? All right, then he said to tell you guys that judgment and retribution must come because it is the fruit of separation unto him. It is the fruit of the highway of holiness. It's the fruit of those that are walking with him. Manifestation of the true sons and daughters. It clearly draws the line in the sand and causes others actually, when they see us obeying and walking in purity and walking in glory and walking in grace and walking in forgiveness, it causes others to hunger for the true move of God. Judgment and retribution is God's mercy. As I said earlier in the Torah, both reward and punishment have the same ultimate aim, the rectification of the soul to merit and receive more of God to the fullest extent. Okay. Like we talked about earlier, an enemy exposed, God wants you to know that once an enemy is exposed or once a failure in you or a shortcoming in you is exposed, it's defeated. It's literally that simple because now that you see it, you can bring it to the cross and get rid of it, okay? It's that simple. We don't have to get upset about it. We don't have to mull it over and condemn ourselves and beat ourselves up. Jesus was already beat up. Once it's exposed, it's defeated. You just exchange it for the truth, okay? There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, amen? I felt like Father God told me to tell you, stake and take the land. 
Everywhere you go, he says, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, he will give you success and he will give you that land. You stake it and take it for the kingdom when you're at work. You stake it and take it when you're going grocery shopping. You stake it and take it when you're on a road trip. You stake it and take it when you're walking in the mountains. Just by faith, acknowledging that reality. Lord, I praise you. Thank you that this land is yours. Thank you for using it for your purposes. We went to a gallery the other day and at this open mic thing, this guy was talking a little bit about his problems and what was going on. And I'm looking around, there's these gorgeous um, paintings of Lansing everywhere. And he hosts these different artists and he cares about the young people and he's trying to do good. I don't think he's saved. But the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. So I staked that land in the spirit and I prayed for him and he agreed with the prayers. And I said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Help him to fulfill your destiny. The guy's eyes filled up with tears. He goes, thank you so much for praying for me. I really felt that. And I thought, okay, God's doing something here, right? And of course, you tell him you're a pastor or you're a minister or whatever and they'll let you do pretty much anything. They'll just stand there and be like, oh, okay, yeah, right? So use that to your advantage. Use that to your advantage. Jehovah's sneaky. The Lord said to tell you to build the house, not just in the natural, but in the spirit. Build the house. Get it ready. We laid the foundation for five, six years here now. And the Lord's saying, it's time. It's time to build a house. It's time to go public. It's time to get on media. It's time to put the songs out there. It's time to let the world see what the genuine church looks like. I loved it when we came in and, and um, Brent was sharing a word and Ellen walks up to the mic and Brent kind of says, oh, sorry. And he's like, brother, no, that's way too valuable. That's the heart of God. That's what community and unity looks like. And the church has got to see that because we're still kind of in that this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. I got my pants and my skirt. This is how we go, right? And God's bringing us out because the world needs to be able to relate to us, right? We want to get on our knees, we get on our knees. We want to, the kid wants to flag and dance and woohoo, let him do it, right? Because it's really about covenant and it's about family and it's about fathering and mothering. And people are looking for a place to belong because they don't have that. So the authenticity in our midst is absolutely precious. Lord told me to tell you, multiply. It is time to amplify the voice of the remnant. It is time to amplify your voice. David and his mighty men are coming out of the cave this year. And I just want to say over you, Shekinah, that is you. And those connected with us, that is you. It is time to come out of the cave. The Lord is releasing his secret weapons and we've stayed in the cave and we let him sharpen us and we pressed in and we let him sharpen us and we pressed in and we let him sharpen us and we pressed in and it's time to unsheath some of you. Okay? All right. All right, all right, all right. How we doing? You all right? All right, I'm going to move through these kind of quick, but I just... I'm going to tell you, he gave me four slides. He says, there's a war for the nations. We're already starting to see, according to the book of Revelations, the one world government versus the nations that exalt the Lord. It's manifesting huge in our midst, and that's all right. We know it's going to come. We know it has to come. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars, right? But the Lord told me to tell you, keep your peace. God is our refuge now. And he is our refuge in the future. And just like he protected Jeremiah and he protected Elijah and he protected David and he protected Deborah and he protected the remnant and his faithful ones, he will protect you. Just keep yourself in him. Keep yourself in him and you're going to be just fine. Don't be trifling around, playing with the world and the culture and the way they do things. 
You will get burned. This is not an hour to be messing around that way. He gave me Isaiah 46, 1 through 11, and I'm just going to read it. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where most high dwells, that's in you and that's in me. God is within her, within him, within you. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's going to protect you no matter what's going on around you. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes wars cease in the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, says the Lord. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The second word he told me to give you guys was Isaiah 2.4 regarding specifically the war in the nations. And he said, it says this, he will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares one day and their spears into pruning hooks. And one day nation will not take up sword against nation and nor will they train for war anymore. Isn't that exciting that there's a day coming when he returns and we won't have to deal with all this nonsense and the fighting and the hate and the anger? Doesn't that give you peace? And the beautiful part is as the body of Christ, we can have peace now even in the midst of it because he's a wall or fire around us and we can take refuge under the wings of his comfort and his love and his protection at any time. Amen? Isn't that good? All right, I wanted to show you this. Sometimes these natural phenomenons happen. We don't think about it. We don't talk about it, right? So there is obviously a war over America. We got our Davids, our Deborahs, our Joshuas, our Esthers, and our Calebs fighting all the ites out there, okay? The Canaanites, the Philistines, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Girgashites. And if you do your research and your history, each one of those ites or those um, foreigners in the land represents an idol, like the Philistines and, or the Canaanites, for example, um, they were major sex traffickers. We're seeing that be exposed big time in our era, in this era, in, in our nation, and really all over the world. All those little mini earthquakes, a lot of those are the tunnels being destroyed of the traffickers all over the world. The military's going after them. Okay? These pictures on this particular slide are from Window Rock, Arizona, when we worshipped with Apostle Ron and Tida Harvey. United Nations for Tribe Gathering. That picture on the very top on the left is the blood moon. Three of the four blood moons in the series have come. The next one is set for the November 8th election of 2022. I don't think that's an accident. God's marking times and he's marking seasons. I just think it's interesting. And I think he's giving us an opportunity as the body of Christ to say, will you set my kingdom order? Regardless of how it affects you, regardless of how it affects your culture, will you do the thing that feels hard? 
for me? Will you trust me? Will you break down the Asher poles? Will you break down the Baal Peor altars, the altars of Molech? Will you do it for me? Can you trust me with you? Can you trust me with your people? Can you trust me with this nation and do it my way? The other two pictures there, that pillar of fire right there, is actually a picture that was taken over the tent when we were worshiping that night. Okay? That's a manifestation that was over that tent. That white tent on the right is a zoomed out picture where you can see the tent that we were under right there, that white tent. And on the left, they zoomed in to take a picture of it because it's a pillar of fire. I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. So listen to the scripture from Joel 2, 28 through 3, 3. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, says the Lord. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heaven and on the earth. Come on, we've been seeing some wonders. That's why I put these pictures up here. This is where we are right now. He says, in that time, I will show wonders in the heaven. We have wonders in the heaven. That means that God is pouring his spirit out on us, on all flesh, on all of us. It says, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Come on, you can't make that up. Look at that fire coming down. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Look at that moon. Now, the sun hasn't turned to darkness yet. But the moon has turned to blood. And anyone, I love this. This is an indicator of how easy it is for people to come into the kingdom during this season. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as the Lord has said among the survivors whom, whom the Lord calls, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I feel like in a spiritual sense, this is happening right now. We know in prophecy, there's a literal and there's a spiritual implication. In a spiritual sense, this is happening right now. There are many in the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is known as the valley of decision right now. He says, there I will enter into judgment against them concerning my inheritance, my people, Israel, for they have scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. Let that sit. Think about what's going on in the world right now. Doesn't that blow your mind? We are living in this hour. They sold girls for wine that they might drink. And when you see the full context, it talks about multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. In that day, the mountain will drip with new wine, says the Lord. He's got new wine to bring to this nation, to the nations of the world through you and through me. New hope, new wine that brings joy, new wine that brings comfort, new wine that brings laughter, that sustains. It says it will drip with new wine and the oils will flow, excuse me, and, the, and, the, and new oils, and it will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. So you've got new wine, you've got oil, you've got milk, you've got water. Provision, sustenance, anointing, food for the young, the milk, right? That's what God wants to bring through you. It says a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. Come on. And will water the valleys of Acacias. 
but Egypt will be desolate. Edom will be a desert wasteland because, this is why, because of the violence done to the people of Judah. And there's a retribution coming for those who have intentionally, maliciously, maligned, violated, and attacked the body of Christ the last several years and decades. In whose land they shed, and this is interesting, I'm not making this up, this is the scripture, take it up with the Lord. In whose land they shed innocent blood, Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem through all generations. And I love this because when you're in Judah, when you're in the Lord, when you're in Jerusalem, when you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, listen to what's available for us. Their blood guilt, which I have not pardoned, the Lord says in Christ, I will pardon. Just say that over yourself. Say, I am pardoned. Yes, you are, love, okay? And then the Lord brought me to Psalm 2, and this was such a heavy word, I almost hesitated to bring it. But I feel like if I don't obey God and individuals don't hear the woe, they don't hear the, the warning of the judgment, they won't stop in their tracks. They won't be still and listen. How dare the nations plan a rebellion, the Lord says. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit. As the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, let us come together and break away from the creator once and for all. Let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. It's madness. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words, I myself have poured out my king on Zion. In other words, I've laid down my life, the Lord says. My son, I've given him. He says, I will reveal the eternal purpose of God, for he has decreed over me, you are my favorite son. And as your father, I have crowned you as my king eternal. So in the midst of all this rebellion, in the midst of all this rage, in the midst of all this hate, the Lord says, I give you my son. I gave you my son. And there's a greater purpose. You may be angry with me, but look at my love. Look at my sacrifice. Look at my one. This is the way to rule. This is the way to reign. Come on, somebody. He says, today I became your father. Ask me and I will give you the nations. You don't have to take them for yourselves. I want to give them to you. And you will shepherd them. With unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion as an iron rod smashes jars of clay. Listen to me, all you who rebel, kings, and all, who, all you upstart judges of the earth. Learn your lesson while there's still time. That's God's heart. Please listen. Please figure it out now. Please don't wait. Recognize his greatness, Jesus' greatness. And bow before him, trembling with reverence in his presence. Fall face down before him like the camel. Get on your knees and kiss the sun before his anger is roused against you, before it's too late. Remember that his wrath can be quickly kindled, but many blessings are awaiting all who turn aside to hide themselves in him. And I was like, whoa, when I 
I was like, seriously, Lord, Psalm 2, you're killing me, Smalls, right? Like, that's my conversation with him. I'm like, this is not the kind of word I want to be releasing, but it aligns with all the other words that came forth. Exposure, judgment, get it in order. And we learned that gemel, that both judgment and blessing is a blessing because it brings people to the light of the knowledge of who God is and his ways, and it brings them back. It enlightens them, if you will, to the reality of truth. Who is a person? Okay. So then the Lord said, tell them there's a war over Michigan. Jezebel, Ahab, and the prophets of Baal, Peor versus Elijah, Elisha, and Yehu. Pure Michigan was the motto over our nation, which... Um, some leaders tried to get rid of and eradicate. But I felt like at the time that it came to pass, it was a word from the Lord, pure Michigan. Michigan looks like a hand. It looks like the fivefold, and it has a, an upper peninsula, which looks like the banner of love over top of the fivefold of God. It's a picture of God in covenant with a diverse group of people manifesting his manifold wisdom. In reaching out to touch people with the blessing of God or the judgment of God if it will bring them closer to him. Amen? We, it, it, pure Michigan is essential to seeing our nation come into a place of blessing, into a place of order, into a place of righteousness, peace, and joy. Over 20 years of prophetic words from Prophet Kim Clement saying that the glory train and the most influential pure apostolic movement will be birthed right here out of Michigan in Detroit. I've been working with that friend Don from Detroit. He's the Don in Kim's prophecies to put these puzzle pieces together. He's been doing it for decades. He believes now that the butler in Kim's prophecy is me, which means it's us. Lord told me a long time ago, butler comes, actually comes from, they, they were the keeper of the wine. Or they were one who oversees those who provide excellent service, not just service. But if you've seen, um, what's that show that's out, Cammie likes? Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. You've seen Downton Abbey. He's the one that keeps all the servants in order and making sure they're doing their job. And do they have everything to do their job? Are they sick? Are they okay? Are they strong? Do they need help? Are they getting paid? Is there something going on with their family? Did they get their chores done and the things that the master asked them to do done on time? Right? And that's really what the whole fivefold does. It's about learning to become butlers. And overseeing everything in our lives and the, the, the places where God has privileged us to walk and to have influence and to have relationship in a way that says, Lord, what is your purpose? What is your kingdom purpose for this place? What is your kingdom purpose for this job? What is your kingdom purpose for my children? What is your kingdom purpose for this day? What is your kingdom purpose for me? And then just simply saying what he tells you to say in the moment, going with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And doing what he asks you to do. And then those things all fall into order. Amen? Because ultimately, really, Holy Spirit's the butler. Isn't he? Right? He's in charge of us. Right? We're all servants doing what he said to do. But I thought that was kind of fun. And I feel like, frankly, it's a significant indicator of what God has for the future of this body. Okay? Now, I haven't said this out publicly, but I'm going to say this internally. I've been doing the work with Kaggle for 13 years. Part of Kim's prophecy has to do with the implementation of the seven spheres of influence in the nation, that that's what's going to come out of Detroit. I don't think it's an accident God connected me to Don 
that there's a Don and there's a Butler, and that this whole revelation of the fivefold is here, and we've been practicing the implementation of the seven fears for 13 years. Because he wants that to be able to go everywhere. He wants people to freely be able to go in whatever sphere they're called to, Monday through Friday, and walk out the love of God, walk out the kingdom of God, and influence that atmosphere and the people in that atmosphere for the purposes of his heart toward them, that they would know they're loved, that they would know there's forgiveness available, that they would know there's hope, right? That policies and different things would protect them and look out for them and keep them safe and reflect the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen? So as the church rises up into our identity as, these, as Melchizedek priests, we've talked about this a lot, being both a king and a priest seated in the heavenly places, decreeing and declaring things. We're being established to conquer and cast down the spirit of Jezebel, Ahab, and Bel Peor. We just are. We're seeing things shift. After Eliza ran from Jezebel, and he had sliced and diced, it says he did hand-to-hand combat with her prophets of Baal Peor. Baal Peor literally means, Carrington, cover your ears. Tell me when you're ready. Thank you. Baal Peor literally means God of the orifice. Do you understand what that means? Pleasure from any place where there's a hole. It's disgusting. But it's rampant in our nation, okay? That's how we, she's good, baby girl. That's how we know that we're dealing with Jezebel, okay? Because it's manifesting. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's really just revealing to us that we've got an identity crisis. That's all that is. It's just an identity crisis, okay? And we have the identity maker, the identity healer, the identity giver, Christ Jesus, hope and full in us. Full, we're, he's in us and we're full of glory, right? We have the answer for that issue. He learned that the prophets were hidden all over in caves and that he wasn't alone. And some of us have been feeling alone. We've been feeling out there by ourselves. But the Lord says, no, there's a lot of remnant everywhere, all over, hidden in caves. I've got them in hidden, hidden in caves, but this year I'm bringing them out. Okay. After he was attacked and he had an encounter with the Lord, he kind of ran away and felt sorry for himself. The Lord sent angels. The Lord sent ravens to feed him, and he laid there by the creek, and he got refreshed. Anybody been going through refreshing? <laughs> Lord says, all right, I'm going to send you back out, right? And then it talks about him going to this mountain and sitting atop this mountain. And the king that the Lord gave him some prophecies corrective prophecies, judgment prophecies against out of love because he loved that king and he wanted that king to come into order, the king decided to send his 50 soldiers after 50 soldiers after 50 soldiers say, come down here, we're arresting you. We're taking you captive basically back to the king, right? And Elijah shifted from the mentality of having to do hand-to-hand combat with a sword like he did with the prophets of Baal Peor, so much so that there were 200 prophets that said he wore himself out. And then when Jezebel threatened him with a single word, he was so tired, he ran and hid on the mountaintop. He was operating out of his own strength. I'll take this out. I'll take this out. I'll take this out. And that political spirit sometimes tries to get us to do that, to engage in our own strength. We have to stop this. We have to bring justice here. We have to bring justice here. And it wears us out. And after his encounter with the small, still voice of God in the cave, he began to operate out of his identity. And he sat on top of that mountain, and the king sent 
the 50 soldiers after the 50 soldiers after the 50 soldiers to threaten him. And this was his response. If I am a son of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 soldiers. And he did it over and over and over again. And the fire of God came just like it did on the sacrifice. He learned, why am I fighting these people myself? Father, if this is your will, let it be so. And the Lord dealt with the judgment there. He didn't have to do it. Right? He was operating out of sonship, if I am a son of God. And I am. So, Lord, if I am, you judge this. I don't have to. And he sat on the mountaintop, and the Lord judged it and judged it and judged it. And finally, there was a captain who was wise enough to say, whoa, 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 man of God, do not call down fire from heaven. Please have mercy on me and come with me that the king may see you. And when the man humbled himself, the Lord said, okay, go with him right? That's a beautiful revelation. And I believe it's where he's got us as the body of Christ. We're coming out of that place of trying to take justice into our own hands in a sense and into the place where we're like, okay, if I am your daughter, if I am your son, you bring judgment in this area. You write it, Lord. You bring retribution and glorify your name. And, and I don't, my hands aren't even dirty because your heart is pure. Your heart is pure, Right? And he, he will do that for us. Isn't that a beautiful story? I have to say this, and I didn't plan to put this on, and I want to preface this with this isn't about politics. This is about kingdom. There's three proposals coming on the ballot this November, all of which I personally believe, according to the word of God, need to be voted down. But you need to read them and ask the Lord. I couldn't stop crying yesterday when I thought about it, because I kept thinking, we're living in Jezebel's day. They're so egregious and depraved that they actually support and promote a complete and absolute elimination of parental rights. The elimination of multiple checks and balances for election integrity, the advancement of um, helping children without parental consent, get uh, pills that for sex change and get sex change operations without parental consent. That's proposal two. They allow um, any individual to take your daughter, even if she's been raped or assaulted, to get an abortion without your permission. And then the court protects them afterwards, and you can't sue them if you didn't know about it. They can say it was her her. Will. So what the lawyers are saying is that the sex traffickers basically can violate, coerce, take them, and if they agree to go, they're protected and there's no repercussions for us in court anymore. Broke my heart. I just wept and wept and wept. The final thing, and I think, um, you know, we have people that are in different places in regards to abortion, but this is a little different. This is where I really started to, to see pictures in my mind's eye of Molech when they would burn the babies alive back in the day in the Old Testament. The, the f idolatrous people would do that. This is in Proposal 2 as well. It supports mid, late, and after birth abortions. So whether the baby's three months, six months, nine months, partially birthed, they stab it in the back of the neck and kill it by separating the head from the spinal cord. That's what's in this. 
And I cried and cried and cried. I was like, Father, grace us to stand up and to come up with better proposals. Grace us to look beyond the language and to do the research necessary to not be duped by what's actually going to be on there, which is one and two sentences that do not tell you any of that. And I didn't know it until I read it. Broke my heart. And I thought, grace us to not give Jezebel, that spirit of Jezebel, the right to do that to our babies and defile our land with their blood. Or to our children or to our families, taking away the parents' right. Broke my heart. So I need to tell you that so you're aware. The final thing it did, which grieved my heart as well, is it eliminates the investigations of cases where infants are found dead in trash cans or on the street or wherever. So they don't have to investigate. They wouldn't have to investigate anymore. They'd leave it. So it'd be like India, where you find dead babies everywhere. With no repercussions, no responsibility, no adopting out, no investigation to see if the parent needs mental health help or support, or if the person was abused or if it was a minor and they need protection. None of that. So we had a team do a land assignment. We've talked about this a little bit based on a prophetic dream Pastor Yvette had, and I want to just share with you a manifestation. It dealt with the first bail payor factory here in Michigan, which was up in Opina, Michigan, which happened to be my hometown. And then Holly, you know, had a dream, and we dealt with the Baal Peor spirit, which we described earlier, here in the city. And I want to tell you the answered prayers of that, okay? There were several signs and wonders. I found the article today where it said, shortly after we did the Alpina one, which we blew the shofar in the water, that was part of our prophetic act. We did communion on the land. We went to an internal lake and shut some waterways where the enemy was coming in, and we repented, of course. There were 232 water spouts over Lake Michigan, and this article said it was the most water spouts that had ever been over Lake Michigan in the history of our state, ever. And we knew it was a sign that God was cleaning out the waterway where we had sinned and allowed that to be propagated and really shipped all over the world in the nation. I was like, hallelujah. When Holly did her thing here in Lansing, we went to Flint, and we did some things in Detroit. This is what's interesting. We found that all of the bail payer sites um, were underground railroad sites, Lyra. And I thought, whoa, Holy Spirit started to speak to me about the abuses that occurred to the people there, okay, as they came out, as they came off, the ways they had to survive. And he said, there's something to this. And eventually, I believe he'll give a prophetic dream so we can deal with that piece of it too. But everywhere we went, we came back and we were driving around. Holly and I were driving around the other day. She goes, oh my gosh, that's a historical place. It's closing. And her heart was a little grieved, right? But it was a place where, you know, LGBTQIA stuff had been there for decades. And she said, that's like a foundational place in the city and it's closed. And my spirit said, it's a sign. It's a wonder that the Lord's cleaning that out, and he's healing up people's hearts. And I thought, okay, praise God. It's a sign and a wonder that the city's getting healthy, the city's getting whole. Something happened in the spirit, and it will see it manifest in the hearts of mankind shortly, even though things look, you know, differently in the natural and in the narrative and the news, right? There is God's doing something in the hearts of men and women. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. So when I asked the Lord for a psalm, Regarding Pure Michigan, he gave me um, 
trying to remember what number this is. I'll look up later. I don't want to tell you the wrong one. It's a Davidic psalm, and it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he has laid the foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart? And everyone who has accepted Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior and depends on him for their righteousness, you have clean hands by the gift of God and a pure heart. Isn't that awesome? That's your camel. That's your inheritance. That's what he carries. That's what he sent Holy Spirit to give you. Who has, who has not set his mind on what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully trying to trick, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those that seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. Oh, it's Psalm 24. Thank you, Lord. So lift up your heads, O you gates. You're a gate, your literal gate to the third heaven. You're a gate to someone meeting face to face with Jesus Christ. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Rise up, ancient doors, then the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle, lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, you ancient doors. Then, then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And then the final verse he gave me for that one was Isaiah 33, 14 through 6. And it says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. They're trembling, seizes the ungodly. And there's a lot of backslidden believers right now. The occult and the witchcraft and the pressure and the deaths and the trauma has been so hard. There's a lot, the divorce, right, the familial attacks, right? A lot of people just weren't prepared for it. And they thought they were, but then they got into the midst of the mess. And they were, you know, all of us kind of had some stuff that showed up, right? And it says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling seizes the ungodly. Who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? Nobody can dwell with a consuming fire and not have something go. And if you do, you're probably not facing your stuff. If you're like, oh, I don't have nothing, you're lying. Or you're deceived. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay? Because we all go from faith to faith and glory to glory, and there's always more. The one who lives righteously and speaks rightly, the one who refuses gain from extortion. In other words, I'm not going to do something because it benefits me. I'm not going to do something because it benefits my pocketbook. I'm not going to do something because it benefits my bank account. I'm going to do something because it aligns with the heart of God. Whose hand never takes a bribe. Who stops his ears from listening to murderous plots. Okay, we just talked about that. There's entire generations that are attempting to be taken out. And shuts his eyes to avoid endorsing evil. Right? Sometimes you just can't look at stuff. You're like, I can't even. Right? I don't want to endorse this. He will dwell on the heights. She will dwell on the heights. His refuge will be the rocky fortress, his food provided, and his water assured. 
The Lord wants you to know that no matter what's going on around you, if you guard your heart, you guard your eyes, you guard your mouth, you guard what you're partnering with and receiving even seemingly good gifts from people that bring you into compromise, you will be protected in this year of retribution. Okay? Say amen. I want to be protected, don't you? Yeah, me too. And I need to hear this. Honestly, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. The ultimate war is over you and it's over me. It's over the sons and souls of men and the daughters of men. It's over women and it's over children. How will what you're doing right now this year and what you have plans to do align you and bring you closer to the Lord in the next five years? Jesus' words while on the cross, so many are being affected by the implementation. Or forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Those were his words. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The religious spirit and the political spirit says, I ain't forgiven you. You know exactly what you're doing, and you deserve to hang for it. Good luck and good riddance. That's what that spirit says. It lacks compassion. It lacks love. It lacks a remembrance of where it came from. And it tries to tempt us to throw under, under the bus instead of lean into their life and help them come out of the pit that they're in, okay? So many are being affected by the implementation of immorality. It grieves Father's heart. But it doesn't affect those of us that are walking in obedience. We're protected as we walk in the ways of Jesus, as we stay on that highway of holiness, amen? But it does hurt them. And if it hurts God's heart, we need to ask him to allow it to hurt our heart. And if it doesn't hurt our heart, that probably means something needs to stay on this side of the gate as we go through in faith this year. We need an impartation of more of his love. We need an impartation of more of his grace. We need an impartation of more of his compassion. And it's okay if that's where we're at. Once it's exposed, it's what? It's defeated. Okay? Because you just make the exchange, right? So pray, pray, pray. Father said, pray, pray, pray that they would hear his voice. And Brent's word was so good today. Pick up the things you stopped praying for. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that they would hear his voice, that they would turn and return, that they would awaken to the reality of being loved and beckoned by their creator, God. Pray that they would know that he is their hope. Pray that he would reveal himself to them as love. Pray that he would grant you the grace to embody the healing that they long for and that they would be drawn to him through you. Come on, somebody. For this one, he gave me Isaiah 55, 5. Grace, 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 grace. Come on, somebody. I love that. Grace, grace, grace. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine, come buy milk without money and without cost. Hallelujah. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me, Linda. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, says the Lord. Listen that you may live. He goes on to say, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. If you'll listen, if you'll come. 
And I feel like this is some ways even a word for the body. If you'll come through the gate and you'll leave that stuff behind, you'll get more of my everlasting covenant. You'll get more of what's on those camels for you. You'll get more of your inheritance in me in this year of covenant, in this year of gamel, in this year of retribution and blessing. You'll get more of the blessing. My faithful love promised to David, see, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you do not know, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God. We just got an invitation, by the way, to go to India. I'll let you know about that later. We'll talk about that later, but we got an invitation from Pastor Kylie to take a team to visit them there. The Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. He has endowed you with splendor. Everywhere you go, they're going to be drawn to the glory of God and the splendor of God in you and on you. And remember the camel, stay on your knees, stay low, stay low. Freely we've received, freely we give, right? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. There's hope. He's going to have mercy on people. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Turn your neighbor and say, it's free. Mm-hmm. And the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm not saying you deserve this. Good luck, good riddance. Have fun with that. You should have made a better choice. He's saying, freely I will pardon. And I need you to say, freely I will pardon. In my situation, let me tell you, I got some lot of freely pardoning to do. But God did a lot of freely pardoning for me, right? So freely I will pardon. Why not? Who am I? Who am I to do otherwise? Come on. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. This is the higher way. This is the highway of holiness. Freely you receive, freely give. As the rain and the snow come from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields the seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that which I desire, and it will achieve the purpose for which I have sent it, says the Lord. The Lord says over you this year, as you stay in him and you stay on that highway of holiness, you will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands and celebrate you. I hear celebrate you. Instead of the thorn bush and the briars and the bitterness, the Lord says, the juniper will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. That's your promise this year, in covenant with Christ. Isn't that good? All right, so I thought this was cute. You're God's hope. Yes, you. Yes, you. Who is in your path that you can bring hope to? And then the question is, will you lean into that opportunity? What if they don't look like you? What if they're on your last nerve? What if they have drained you dry and you feel like your cup is empty? 
Yes, you. You. The best thing you can do for someone is let them talk and ask questions. You don't have to have the solutions. You don't have to sha-da-da-da-da-da. You don't have to deliver them and cast out the demons. You don't have to tell them what they're doing wrong. They already know. I had a situation recently where an individual had been struggling on and off for two or three years. They came around, did good. They went back and did bad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Lord, I have no more answers. I'm out. And he goes, good. It's about time. I was like, well, thank you very much. He said, all I need you to do is listen. And this individual talked literally for three hours and cried. Three hours. I thought, Abba, give me strength. Like I'm praying inside in the spirit, like are they going to shut up? Because it's wearing, right? If I'm thinking about what I have to do, but as I rested in him and I realized I don't have to do anything, I'm just going to sit here and let him talk and praying and the Holy Spirit was just working it out. They were figuring it out as they verbalized everything. The Lord was beginning to show them because the law of God is written on our hearts. And when we give people an opportunity to verbalize things, they work it out themselves. Holy Spirit speaks to them. And then we ask pointed questions. Well, what does that mean? What do you feel like God's showing you? That's all you have to do. The law of God's written on the heart. He leads them right back to himself. You don't have to do nothing except listen and love them. Come on. A little encouragement goes a long way. Had a talk with someone, you know, this week, like I was telling you, and after the three hours, after the probably I only asked maybe four or five questions, the individual had the conversations that needed to be had and is like a completely different person. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And all it took was me shutting up and listening and ceasing trying to put my ideas and thoughts and downloads into play. But just listening. Isn't that awesome? It's that simple, guys. Isn't that exciting? All right. So yes, you. I thought that was cute. All right, this is the final slide, I think. Oh, there's one more after this. All right. The win and the sustainable victory. Say sustainable. If we win ground and we lose ground and we win ground and we lose ground, number one, it's annoying. Number two, it's not very effective. Number three, we got to clean it up all over again, right? So we want to win ground and we want to sustain the victory, right? Ideally, okay? So sustainability in the midst of the victory or after the victory is key. There will always be a dichotomy between the church and the world because we have the grace and the power of God to live godly lives, and they don't. They just don't. People that don't have a revelation of their identity or a full revelation of the Father God or are still in process about that, they're going to be in a different place. But we can maintain victory within the church and continue to move forward as believers into more and more of the glory of Christ in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Right? So that character needs to be formed. Amen? That's what sustains us. To the measure that Christ is formed in us, to the measure that we bear the fruit of the Spirit, to the measure that we say yes and allow ourselves to come through the gate in faith and are willing every single time he shows us something and exposes it to exchange it for the inherited thing is the measure we will sustain our victory because he sustains it, not us. It's not about performance. It's not about being enough. It's about being his. And letting him do it over and over and over again. Amen? Isn't that exciting? All right, so I told you at the beginning I only had one prophetic word I felt like I was supposed to share because y'all are, you know, this particular remnant is way ahead. So this is it. I'm going to share with you what Sarah Witten from Carryville, Texas, 
gave us her word. And I thought these were all spot on and many of them confirmations, but a couple new things that were good. She said God told her that he's calling the body of Christ to return to the gold standard, the gold standard of his word. What is written? In the natural, we've seen inflation, she said, and it caused by, it's caused by deviating too much from the gold standard. She said the Lord told her spiritually he's calling his people back to his gold standard, purity. There are many concepts that have crept into our theology, both individually and corporately, that are not backed up by the gold standard of God's word. And we fought against it. We haven't been able to reconcile it in our own minds, so we've fought against it. And the Lord is calling us back to the gold standard, and he's asking us, will you trust me that my word is, that I am good, that my word is true, and my word and my ways are best? And as we say yes to that, as we cling to the gold standard, he'll give us the revelation that we need where we didn't understand it before. We'll begin to see a return to the gold standard and a hunger this year for his word, and then we will see revival come. There will be many books, many resources that are going to be birthed this year that will help the body of Christ and those coming to the Lord dive deeper into his word. Amen? So if you've got something, just think that through. If the Lord's been telling you to write something, to say something, to pray something, do it. All right, she said there's going to be a creative surge that's coming. Innovations, ideas, inventions, and creative solutions. Um, there's been massive contention over God's design of family, being a man and a woman and children. Issues of sexuality, abortion, divorce, etc. Because God uses fathers and mothers in the family as a basis for creating life in the natural, she felt like God said this indicates a larger attack against all God is creating and birthing in the body of Christ and in the nations right now. And I thought that was spot on. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, yes and amen. This indicates that larger attack. So she's, of course, cited Roe versus Wade as one of those indicators that the enemy is trying to attack the birthing in the corporate body of Christ, right? And she said, prepare to see new innovations, ideas, innovations, creative solutions coming through believers. So maybe this year, ask God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me innovating? And write it down and follow through, okay? If you need help, come see us. That's what we're here for, to help you succeed, help you fulfill all the fullness of everything God's called you to do. All right, she said, there's a smashing of idols and waves of healing that are coming, Healing meetings, revivals, testimonies, waves of super supernatural manifestations. Abba is wooing the world back to himself. And God is refining the world and reminding them that he alone is God. He heals. He loves. He forgives. He sets them free. He gives them dreams. He created them for a purpose. He gives them visions and callings. Amen? Isn't that exciting? And I loved this portion. It says there's unity after the threshing. Say amen. That's a big win, right? And this was such a good word, and we've seen this in Coggle. We're obviously seeing this in the midst of our body, which is awesome. Contention, polarity, and disunity seem to be growing in the natural. We hear about it on the news. We see it all over the place. But the Lord revealed that this is a threshing intended to bring unity. Okay? 
The Lord revealed that this is a threshing intended to bring unity because just like a crucial conversation involves some conflict, genuine, passionate conversation on both sides before a resolution is solved, issues are being aired out in our nation, which look only like conflict if you watch the narratives in the news, right? If we don't have the other side of the story. But the result of these will actually be stronger unification because now people know what's going on. Now people are aware. Now people understand better. Now they're able to be more intentional and willful and lean into some things that they didn't know were going on or didn't know were issues or are justice issues that need to be addressed. Amen? That's huge. So what we're going to see is that as these issues are being aired, which look only like conflict, the result of these will actually be stronger unification of the church body in places where we have been passive or ignorant or disjointed. Come on, somebody. That's a word. That's a good word. I was like, hallelujah. And I loved this piece, too. There's a multi-generational work that is coming forth, okay? There are many instances in history in which errors are repeated due to a lack of knowledge or knowing what the history is. That's why people joke and say history repeats itself because it literally does. In the same way that we see biblical cycles of flourishing and failing into disobedience or falling into disobedience in the Old Testament when the people of God forgot the Lord after their hero died or their king died or their judge died or the prophet died, we're being called to greater continuity and remembrance. Just repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, help me remember. Holy Spirit, help me stay connected. Holy Spirit, Help us with continuing to move forward in you. Okay. And we remember, when we remember, it's why we celebrate the feast and why what we're doing today is so important. Because we reflect and we remember each year how far we've come, what God did, did last year in us, to us, through us, in the body, in the state, in the nation, the city, wherever. And then we're empowered to keep moving forward and take that next step with him. We need to know the full picture of the puzzle that we're adding to in our generation. God is calling many to connect intergenerationally. There is an immense wealth right now in our elders. I don't think it's an accident. We have Alan in our midst. We have Brent in our midst. We have Lonnie in our midst many times. We've got to lean on that. Even with our relationships with Denise and Fred Kant too. We need to lean into them. We need to glean from their wisdom, from their experience, even Lyra, right? So culturally, not just generationally, but multiculturally, and Jackie. we got to lean into those things to learn, to listen, to build bridges, to build unity, to come up with better solutions, to make sure that we don't repeat mistakes and that the kingdom is more well-rounded. Amen? We've got to take time this year to glean from them from their history, from their experience of the revivals, from unity movements, so we can learn from them and create a more cohesive intergenerational work that grows bigger and continues longer and is actually sustainable. Watch this year specifically for open doors and mentorship. She said this, not me. In connecting with other generations and other cultures and works 
of media that are specifically aimed at equipping future generations. We've, that's all we've talked about in regards to the hub. So I'm excited about this. I feel like this is a confirmation of where we're headed that we're hearing in, in, in the now time, in now season, okay? And then I loved this last one. Move in the opposite spirit of the world. There is much hope to partner. If we're willing to do what it showed us in the pictograph of Gamel and we lean in and we're willing to land that foot and run towards things and lend our leg of grace to situations, there is always hope to partner. No matter how difficult a situation may be, no matter how difficult a relationship may be, every opportunity Holy Spirit gives you, lean into it. Just lean into it. While there is much turmoil, when we lift our eyes to see the heavenly agenda happening behind the scenes, we can be encouraged. There is much hope to and for partnership with others if we're willing to step into the opposite spirit of the world and intentionally engage in love, intentionally engage in unity, intentionally engage in multi-generational efforts, intentionally engage with humility and consistency. Amen? And let the Holy Spirit flow. So, Father God, I just praise you and thank you for your words. I praise you and thank you for this year of Gamel, this year of an opportunity to humble ourselves. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember... With God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.